Hello, everyone. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, the Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F. as in fellowship, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Connecticut. Today is Tuesday, February 9th, 2021, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are in Chapter 3, More About Alcoholism, on page 36. We will be reading and commenting on the first paragraph at the top of page 36 that starts with, yet he got drunk again and ends with another glass of milk. Today's readers are Martha Z, Nan, Crystal P, Christoph L, and and that's it for today, actually. The share ID numbers for yesterday, Monday, February 8th. 2021 are 16,358 for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. That's 16358. And 16,359 for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. That's 16359. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Martha Z to read the OA 12 steps. Good morning, Rebecca. This is Martha Z. Um, Thank you for your loving service. I'm a compulsive, recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from outside of Philadelphia. The 12 steps. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 
11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks, Rebecca. Thank you, Martha Z. from outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I will now ask Nan to read the OA 12, 12 Traditions. And Nan, could you give us your first initial of your last name and where you're from? Hi, I'm Nan Kay from Michigan, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. The 12 Traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as, such, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nan Kay from Michigan. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book and we will be reading and commenting on the first paragraph on page 36 with 
yet he got drunk again through another glass of milk. I will now ask Crystal P to go ahead and read that for us. Hi, good morning. Yes, he got drunk again. We asked him to tell us exactly how it happened. This is his story. I came to work on Tuesday morning. I remember I felt irritated that I had to be a salesman for a concern I once owned. I had a few words with the boss, but nothing serious. Then I decided to drive into the country and see one of my prospects for a car. On the way, I felt hungry, so I stopped at a roadside place where they have a bar. I had no intention of drinking. I had thought I would get a sandwich. I also had the notion that I might find a customer for a car at this place, which was familiar for I had been going to it for years. I had eaten there many times during the months I was sober. I sat down at a table and ordered a sandwich and a glass of milk. Still no thought of drinking. I ordered another sandwich and decided to have another glass of milk. Hi, good morning. This is uh, Crystal Key, compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, what really struck me in the story was two things. The first was the nonchalance with which he tells the story. You know, the nonchalance with, with which he experiences this entire day. Three big things I saw were that, first of all, you know, he shows up to work on Tuesday. Uh, I've heard people point out, like, what happened on Monday? You know, did he not show up to work on Monday? Was this, um, and I do that, you know, where uh, the fact that I may, I don't show up for work, and that's, that's an, something that I have to, I have to notice. Uh, he's irritated with his work. He has a few words with his boss, and he says things like, that's not serious. For me, as a compulsive overeater, those things are serious things. Um, getting up and feeling irritated, having words with someone, and then deciding to go out for a drive in the country where I'm alone in my car by myself in early abstinence, those were those were things I needed help with. I could not just I couldn't just do them with nonchalance. In fact, in early abstinence, I, I used to be such a, um, a fast food junkie that every time I would pass, you know, the, the big golden M on, on the road, I, I would say a prayer. I, I'd say, like, God, please, if it's up to me, I know my car will just drive into that drive through Please keep me out of there. Please. You know, I, I treated it with a, with a deathly seriousness, especially, especially in the beginning. Um, you know, now that I've been abstinent, um, you know, for, for three years, um, I still don't treat it with nonchalance. And even when I take a look at, you know, he, he decides to go into this, into this bar, and I look at the criteria that he uses. His criteria is, I had no intention of drinking. Uh, it's for my work. There might be a customer there. And I've done it before while I've been sober, so that should be okay. So the big book tells me that's not the criteria by which I do anything or make any decisions. The criteria by which I make any decisions are my spiritual condition. If I'm in good spiritual condition, I can act. If I'm not in good spiritual condition, I do not act. I pick up the phone, I work the steps, and only when my alignment has come back to God first, then me and then others, only then can I take action. That is just the principle by which I have to live my life now, and I get to live my life now. Um, and so it's such a good example for me. Um, I was just remembering my, my mother's last birthday. Um, you know, it was in the middle of the pandemic, and she asked me to pick her up, um, you know, a dessert from this bakery that I've been to so many times. Uh, it's part of a large sort of grocery store. I've been there so many times. And that one particular day, I walked into that bakery, and I had this feeling of like, oh, man, I so wish I could eat that. And immediately the thought came to me, 
Crystal, you are looking at something that is like rat poison to you and wishing you could eat it. Something is not right here. And I walked right out of there and I called a fellow and I worked through whatever was going through with me because I was obviously not in fit spiritual condition. And for that day, even though I've been to that grocery store many times, for that day, I went in, I ordered what my mom needed, I asked them to hold it for me, and I went and picked it up later. Because in that day, I was just not in fit spiritual condition to have uh, a piece of dessert in my fridge waiting for hours. So for me, I've learned to respect this disease, not treat it with nonchalance, always ask, am I in fit spiritual condition before I take action, pause when I notice things that for other people are just normal life circumstances, for me can be fatal. Um, and and that is, that's, I'm, I'm grateful to have done that because without that, um, I'm, I'm, this disease is cunning, baffling, powerful, and will take me down. Thanks for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Crystal P. from Toronto, Canada. Now, although we share your experience, we ask that you limit your sharing to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So if you haven't shared on an, a Vision for You meeting on Friday or Monday and would like to share on the first paragraph on page 36 in the big book, uh, yet he got drunk again through another glass of milk, please press star one to unmute and state your first name and last initial. Adriana I heard Adriana Maureen L. L. Christina Maureen J. L. Wait, one Susan second. H. L. Wait, I, I can't write that fast. So Christina. Joel B. And Susan H. Lauren I, I N. Keep up. I'm on Susan Kim, H. Who was after Susan Kim H? Kim G. Who was after Susan H? G. Someone, I didn't hear your name. Joelle B. Oh, yeah, Joelle. That's right. That's right. Joelle B. And who was after Joelle B? Do you remember? <laughs> Maybe I'm expecting too much of everybody. Um, Kim G. I got you, Kim G. I managed okay. to get your name down. Do you remember who was Lauren before you? Lynn. Oh, Lauren. Lauren. Yeah, I do remember hearing Lauren N's name. Okay, if you said your name and it's not one of the following, I'll let you speak up and add your name to the pool. Adriana T, Maureen L, Christina J, Susan H, Joel B, Lauren N, and Kim G. Was there someone I missed? Okay, that's the line Sally that's been. Oh, say it again. Sally A. Sally A. Okay. That was the one. All right. So we have our lineup. Adriana T., please go right ahead. Thank you. Thank you so much for your service, and good morning to everyone. This is Adriana T., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Michigan. And um, what this paragraph really spoke to me was a couple different things that I can be aware of. Um, so pride comes before the fall, as they say, and he was, you know, very prideful that he had to be in this lower position when he used to own the company. Um, so, yeah, pride comes before the fall. That's something I can watch for in my recovery, um, pride. And then um, he, you know, having little uh, spats with people, relationship messiness, as I would call it, 
um, and not doing a 10-step, but just kind of going on about my day. Um, the other thing that stood out that I never noticed before was what's the deal with him ordering another sandwich and another milk? You know, maybe he's not a compulsive overeater, but what that tells me is, hmm, engaging in other attachments in order to stuff down my feelings or other addictions might be something that comes before the fall as well. So um, definitely tons of things to think about here. And, um, of course, this is all following the paragraph we had yesterday where he was failing to enlarge his spiritual life. And so, of course, if that's happening, all of these other things are going to be popping up. So, um, yeah, just such a great reminder of how to be on guard against this cunning, baffling, and powerful disease. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Adriana T. from Michigan. Maureen L. Maureen, we don't hear you. Was there someone whose name sounded like Maureen L? I'm sorry, can you hear me now? This is Maureen L. Oh, yes, it is you. Good morning. So sorry. So sorry, I'm joining you for my cross-country skis in Massachusetts, so I had some technical issues. But um, so grateful for this paragraph and this meeting. But paragraph to me just reminds me of the importance of humility, of real humility in the face of this disease. And I'm thinking back to Sunday, uh, which was Super Bowl Sunday, and I have four children, three of whom are teenage boys. And it's a pandemic, and so the Super Bowl wasn't spent in ways that it typically is in our family. And so I was trying to put on like a happy, we're going to have a Super Bowl party in our house kind of thing. And so I bought all kinds of foods that I don't eat and that they can, uh, but I generally don't, uh, you know, interact with daily. And, uh, you know, we put on the game and the kids all had a good time and they had all kinds of stuff that I don't eat, which was fine. I talked to my sponsor about it before. But I found, like, with each commercial and with them chomping, I was in the locus of danger. And at that point, you know, I you have to maintain your fit spiritual condition. And I was feeling like, oh, wow, that would be kind of good to taste. I didn't. But I thought the fact that I had the, the thought uh, reminded me of just how precious absence is and how it needs to be protected and guarded against. And sometimes we're in the locus of danger, if you will, but it's okay. We're, we're protected from it as long as we maintain our contact with God. And the next morning I woke up and I was abstinent. And the Super Bowl had passed. The kids had a good time. And I woke up abstinent. And now I'm in a healthy body enjoying this beautiful, beautiful views of nature. And I cross-country skis with my husband uh, about to face a productive and hopefully happy day if I put God's will before my own. So, so grateful for this meeting, so grateful for those who do service, so grateful that daily we get an opportunity to connect with the humility that's required to have any sense of the of the wonderful life that awaits all of us in recovery. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Maureen L. from Massachusetts. Christina J. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Um, Christina J. from the state of Washington recovered for today. And... Um, yeah, the Jim's story is it is one of my favorites because I relate to it so well. Nervous disposition, we find out earlier. Then he made a beginning. 
then he got drunk again. I mean, that was my merry-go-round. And um, I, I was born with a nervous disposition. I think I still have it. I'm, I have a river of anxiousness that runs through me um, unless I stay close to God. And I have to surrender that anxiousness all the time or it gets me in trouble. Um, uh, you know, I, I will do this autopilot numb that, that Jim did here. He went on autopilot numb. This is just so great example of that. He felt irritated. You know, um, he had a few words with the boss, and what did he do? He blew it off. Nothing serious. That was me, and I can still get into that today. Oh, it's nothing serious. I don't need to make a call. Oh, it's not a big deal. And it's not that I feel like I won't bother people. I don't, I don't have that in me anymore. I'm happy to make a call. It gets my ego tells me I don't have time. I've got to get busy with other things. And this little thing, it'll, it'll just, I'll just talk to God about it. But you know what? I found out that I have to reach out and work through these things. Otherwise, I'm going to be doing exactly what he did. The autopilot numb, the disease, the twist of the mind. Here I go. I'm going to make, oh, well, oh, you need me to go to the store for you, boss. You need me to get you some tea. Or maybe you need me to go to the bank. Let me just take a drive. I just need to take a drive. And uh, then I find weird body physical reactions happening. Oh, I, I think I'm hungry. Oh, do I have, uh, I can have one of those sugar-free things. Yeah, that's it. Um, and then, oh, well, I'm going to need more than one uh, of those sugar-free things because I've got to make it through the afternoon and the twist is in full drive. The twist is in full-blown mode. Um, all these notions I have when I, you know, I'm in a disease mind when this starts happening. Uh, my disease is twofold, physical and mental, and I'm totally in the mental state right now as I'm driving, Jim's driving to the country, and uh, <clears throat> he's going to get a sandwich, and he's got this notion coming in. It's just all BS. It's the disease. It's BS, and if we don't recognize, see, that's the, the key to this program is awareness, to become aware of when our thoughts start sinking us down into the hole. I mean, we've got one foot on the edge, and then we start to climb down into the hole, and then we fall and then we're in it full-blown. So I'm so grateful for the awareness that this program is bringing me day by day of my character defects and how I can slip into this dangerous, this is dangerous, people. But this isn't just, oh, I'm going to have another drink. I'm just going to have another eat. I'm, I'm going to do whatever. This is a dangerous place to be. It'll take us into our disease, and we may never get back. Uh, that was another lie I told myself, relapse after relapse, that I could get back. Well, that's bullshit, too. That's just the disease talking. So <clears throat> be on guard. Be aware. Do the work and Thanks. stay clean with God guiding the way. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Christina J. from the state of Washington. Susan H. Good morning. This is Susan H. Um, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Ohio. I'm very grateful for where I am today. Um, I look at this part of Jim's story and I can identify in. I, I really can. It sounds like a little disturbance, which I get on the regular. <laughs> little disturbances do seem to snowball if I don't admit, pause, pray, proceed. Uh, the AA 12 and 12 says if we were seriously disturbed, our first need was to quiet that disturbance, regardless of who or what we thought caused it. This is something that speaks to me often. Uh, I had a little disturbance last night, and I did gratefully pray, and I felt relief, but I did share it this morning, because a disturbance can be a deal breaker. 
as it was for Jim. My disease hasn't evaporated. I know it. I know it's there. It can be an opportunity to use the clear-cut directions on page 84 and receive and find joy in how I'm okay when I just put my dependence on my higher power. And the fellows, I can trust that it'll be okay. I pass. Thank you, Susan H. from Ohio. Joel B. Good morning. This is Joel B. from Illinois. Um, I feel that, you know, he, he went to a place that he had never, that he had been going for years when drinking. And he, he probably was either challenging her, himself or wanting to drink. Um, I feel that I cannot, cannot do the same things my disease was familiar with. Um, I have, I have six fast food places within two blocks of my house. I have not gone to anything, any of them in three weeks. I'm, I'm here. This is my beginning, my third week. And, um, I'm kind of angry because my car is an automatic turning into these places. I'll blame my car. No, I won't. But um, with um, and then he he may be familiar with the people there, and he felt he used to feel comfortable there, and he felt he had to go and uh, to get out of there and pout and maybe uh, raise his temper. And if things don't go my way, sometimes I feel like, well, I don't care anymore. And I don't um, go to the Lord. I don't go to God because I'm going to do it my way. I'll show me, you know, and then I punish myself. And <clears throat> I'm I'm very, um, I'm very used to blaming myself and hating myself for doing things like this and after I eat the wrong thing, I say, now, why did I do that? And I start calming down. But that first, like, temper tantrum or or um, pain that comes, I feel that it will um, go away if I eat the wrong thing, uh, a candy bar, a cookie, or a bag of them, and... That's just hurting me, and I, I need to uh, go to my higher power constantly because of this addiction. And I, <clears throat> excuse me, I feel that um, sometimes when I am mad at myself, why? You know, I ask myself lately, why did I do that? Why did I feel that way? Calm down. Take a breath and pray and call my people, call sponsors, call, you know, call everybody that can help me uh, change my attitude. Well, with that, I thank you. I pass. Thank you, Joelle B. from Illinois. And before Lauren N. shares, I'll just let anyone who got on the meeting a little late 
know what we read, which was the first paragraph on page 36, yet he got drunk again through another glass of milk. And Lauren and go right ahead. Good morning, Rebecca. Lauren N. from New York, compulsive eater and sugar addict. Boy, can I relate to um, the story and how, first of all, how it starts off on Tuesday. And as the, as the first sharer uh, mentioned, where was he on Monday? Um, in denial, I would imagine. That's where I usually go when I, when I start a story on Tuesday. Um, not being aware of what's going on inside me is the key to my, my disease. Going into that, that um, fog where my disease lies um, lies to me and tells me that all is okay. I don't have to worry about anything. I don't have to make outreach calls. I'm above that. And guess what? That's where my disease lies. It lies to me and it lie and I lie to myself by, by uh, believing it. So he walks into the place where he's been sober before, but also drank before, and he doesn't, he's not aware, and orders a second milk with, sal- with a sandwich, and all of a sudden that sneaking thing comes in and says, oh, maybe a, maybe a shot of whiskey would be good with this milk, like that's exactly where that that total um, fog comes up. That exact thought that comes about is where I have finally learned to know that my disease is calling me, and that's where I need to stay away. And I need to make phone calls immediately. I need to reach out to God. I need to reach out to my fellows. I need to do service and be out of that fog before I even get close to that, that place of, oh, something looks good on someone else's plate. Or, oh, maybe I can have just one more. Those places are dangerous, and those are red flags for me in my life now. Thank God I've found you guys to teach me how to do this and to stay sober every single day. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Lauren M. from New York. Kim G., Morning, Rebecca. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive reader from South Jersey. And you know what Lauren was saying? I, I I know for myself, I always focused on that suddenly paragraph too. Ha ha ha! Whiskey in the milk. And if I'm focused only on that paragraph, what I'm focused on is white knuckled, one day at a time. Don't eat no matter what, no matter what. Don't eat. And let me tell you, in the '90s, I had six years of abstinence like that. On, on sayings of nothing tastes as good as abstinence feels. 
And let me tell you, as a real compulsive overeater, abstinence sucks. Abstinence is the worst. And if I am only focusing on treating the allergy, then I'm going to be living on guard for suddenly one day after one day after one long frickin' day. And that's why I love to look at this paragraph. This paragraph talks about the thinking prior to the suddenly. So what if, what if I can get access to a power greater than myself that removes the thinking so I never have to get to the suddenly? That is where the steps come in. That is where the treatment for the mental twist comes in. And I want to let you guys know that 10 years ago, I took that treatment for the mental twist, and I continue to take it on a daily basis, and I've had 10 years of contented abstinence that I can never have if I'm just looking out for the suddenly. And we heard such beautiful descriptions of the restlessness, the irritability, the discontentment that's in this paragraph. Irritated, a few words with the boss, I lost my business, I would be enraged. How many times have I said I had a few words with my mother and I just cursed her out like a sailor? You know, no intention of drinking. I think to myself in an OA meeting where I hear someone crying about being in the food as they're sitting there with their Dunkin' Donuts mug. What are you doing in the Dunkin' Donuts if you can't stay abstinent? You know, the car salesman is going out to sell cars when he doesn't have the cars with him to sell. I know for myself, my goodness. I used to pick my babysitting jobs by the pantry. It had nothing to do with the kids. And this part about ordering another sandwich. And I've even heard Joe and Charlie talk about there's no problem with that unless you're a compulsive overeater. And I don't think it has anything to do with being a compulsive overeater. I think to myself, my own history, I love tea. I go into a Panera Bread. I have a cup of tea. And I order a second one. And I order a third one. And I order a fourth one. Not because I love tea but I'm staying there long enough until I say, F it, I'm going to have the bagel. So that's the thinking that I am powerless over. That's the thinking that I have no defense against the first strike. So the question is today, do you want to live in the suddenly, or do you want to live in a life where you can have contented abstinence by addressing this thinking? And with that, I pass. Thanks, Kim G. from New Jersey. Sally A., and then we'll take more names. Hi, good morning. This is Sally A. from New Jersey. Um, I remember before recovery, I really liked this paragraph because of the sandwich that was mentioned. I'm not going to lie. It got my attention. Um, it brought me joy, and I related. So, But now I, I worked the steps last year with a sponsor, and when we did this paragraph, what I learned was it's about those little irritations. It, it doesn't have to even be a big irritation, a big resentment, you know, something that really pissed me off. It could be like little microaggressions, little tiny, tiny irritations that normally like a normal eater would never eat over. You know what I'm saying? And I really took took that to heart because I never reached out when I had a tiny, tiny little like lowercase r resentment. You know what I mean? I would only reach out when I had something which I thought was major. So that used to cause me to relapse a lot is that I did, like she basically told me, if you don't share it, you're going to wear it. So I had to like start to notice any small irritations along the way and either pray about it or share it or text it or WhatsApp it, you know, but it's got to get out of my spirit because if it stays there, it will grow. 
And I've had this happen to me thousands of times at work, especially is where I used to slip a lot at work because of the little tiny, you know, resentments that I would have or little irritations of other coworkers and why is she doing this and she, her voice is annoying and, you know, like little things like that would cause me to overeat. So once I finally got that, it, my spiritual condition was not at the right level in those moments, that's when it made the real shift for me you know, that this is really about my spiritual condition at all times. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Sally A. from New Jersey. Okay, if you haven't shared um, and a Vision for You meeting on Friday or Monday and would like to share on the first paragraph on page 36, yes, he got drunk again, please press star one to unmute and state your first name and last initial, and you can tell me where you're from as well if you'd like. Nevada S. Danielle R. And Deborah Sherry M. New York. Deborah S. I did get you. Did I hear Carrie Okay, thank you. Natalie G., Connecticut. Natalie G., Lane C. Wayne from New York. Dwayne. Could you say Lane? Like a road. Yeah. Lane. Oh, Lane. Lane C. Yes. Yes. I recognize your name. And um, I don't know if we'll have time for one more. Maybe yes, maybe no. Does somebody want to be in the queue? One more name as a possibility. No. I think we would have time for a sixth share, if anybody wants Sharon to. B. Sharon B. It's all yours. Thanks for stepping up to the plate. So we have Leah S., Devorah S., I hope I got those letters right, Carrie M., I believe, Natalie G., Lane C., and Sharon B. Leah, is it S.? Your turn, Leah. I'm sorry. Good morning. Yes, you're right, Rebecca. Thank you very much. Leah, we just lost you. You were there and then you weren't. Can you unmute your phone again? Okay, now you hear me. There you are. Yes. Okay, Uh good. Thank you very much. Okay, so um, this is actually a warning paragraph, a very, very big warning, but also a solution and a soothing uh, kind of paragraph for me. You know what, Leah? Don't be so content. Don't be so content that you're abstinent since 2014. Do not lay rest on your laurels. Go into this book and help other people as well. Remember where you're coming from and remember what you were like. This is a program that is helping me stay stopped, and this is exactly, go into that fourth step. Do not be afraid. Go into the third step again and again, and go into the fourth and the fifth, and do the ninth, and you will be unbelievably not irritated. You will be unbelievably finding your self-esteem. You will be unbelievably um, not, not angry at people the way you were. 
you will be able to deal with life. This is what this is all about, Charlie Brown. It's just amazing because, yes, of course, of course, I would be mad, mad. Of course I would. This is what, but what, what would my reaction be? What would my, it would be stuffing my face all the time and just giving it up. But I don't want, I want that even keel. I want that healthy boundary within me. I want to be able to say, I'm sorry, I can't do that. And feel good about it because this is what my priorities are. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Leah S. from New York. Devorah S., it's your turn. Hi, good morning, everyone, and thank you, Rebecca, and everyone that makes this meeting possible. <clears throat> Excuse me. My name is Devorah S., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. And, you know, like everybody's been saying, okay, so I, I, I love this paragraph because I really relate to this paragraph. And, and when I came into this program, I probably said to myself, what's the big deal? It's a great paragraph. I know how this person feels. I would do the same thing. Um, but as a recovered person, look, looking at this paragraph, I can't help but notice, you know, the big insanity. And, you know, what is this insanity? It's the thinking, you know, the stinking thinking. You know, he talks about it. He says over here, you know, um, the decision he decided, you know, um, he made that decision that takes a thought process. Um, and, you know, I thought I can get a sandwich. I was kind of the notion, you know, just all these thinking, the thoughts, the thoughts. And, you know, I'm, I've heard, you know, the thought is the thing that gets me into, into trouble, right? Because our thinking, um, you know, our thinking that all we need is our thought to plant something in our head. And, you know, who stops? We don't think about it. We just go for it. And that's what he did. He just took that action. You know, all, all action is born in thought, as we hear on this meeting. Um, so our thinking, and the only way to change that thinking is to get a spiritual, um, is to have a spiritual solution, which we get from these steps. So, you know, and who, and, and on the way I felt hungry. I mean, since when do we feel anything? We're not, well, this is not a program about feeling. You know, we take our feelings out of this. Um, and yes, we can become aware of our feelings, but we don't act on our feelings. That's another thing that I've, I've, I've learned here. You know, because that my feelings is the thing that got me in, into trouble my whole life. You know, I ate over all my feelings all the time. Um, and it's only because of coming into this program and learning how to deal with my feelings, working a 10 step, talking about it, getting it out, that's when, you know, that's when I see how my feelings always ruled over me and, 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 and made me act the way I didn't want to act. Um, and I don't have room for that in my life today. I can't let my feelings take over. Um, so, you know, today, living as a recovered woman in the steps, steps 10, 11, and 12, I can look at this paragraph and remember, ah, yeah, I remember those days, but I don't live like that today. And it's only because I developed a relationship with a higher power, with my God, um, and I, and those thoughts, you know, thank God, have been removed from me. I can go anywhere, and I'm not going for the food. I'm not going to get that thrill, or I felt like something. So what a miracle that is today, that every day, day in and day out. And what does it take? It takes for me, 
you know, constant reminder, constant renewal of my relationship with my higher power. It doesn't just like, you know, oh, I've got it. You know, I've been through the steps and I've got it. Uh-uh. Every day I need to work on this and, and, and keep growing closer to my higher power. Um, and thank you, Rebecca, and everyone on this line. And with that, I'll pass. All the best. Thank you, Devorah S. from New Jersey. Carrie M. If I got your name right. <laughs> Hi, it's uh, Sherry M. Oh, Sherry. Go right ahead. Yep. Hi, good morning. I'm Sherry. I'm a compulsive overeater from New York. Um, uh, so this paragraph reminded me of um, on Sunday when I went into the grocery store and, you know, we go into the grocery store several times a week. And um, I had just eaten breakfast and I went in there because my daughter is recovering from uh, the second vaccination. I was getting her Tylenol because I don't have it in the house. And uh, I walked into the grocery store and uh, the smells, the smells in the grocery store were just so overwhelming. And um, I go in the stores all the time and I smell the food that they're cooking. And uh, I'm walking through the, uh, the place where they, they bake things. And um, I, you know, to get to the, the Tylenol that I was buying and um it kind of reminds me of the sandwich and the the glass of milk. And uh, I don't know where it came from. It came out of left field, like these feelings, like, you know, like, oh, I want one of these things. And um, I wasn't hungry. I had just eaten breakfast and I was like, and that was it. And I was like, oh, I'm a compulsive overeater. Like, God, thy will not mine be done. And, you know, the thing I've learned in this program is, you know, I tried this program many times before um, I came to a vision for you. And the difference is, is that, um, you know, working the 12 steps and when I do have the the things that come up that bother me, the resentments, I have to get rid of them right away. Or I could be in that grocery store getting those things that I want because I'm never going to be cured from the disease. Um it's always going to be, you know, with me. Like people in my uh, home group say, it's it's in the parking lot. The disease is in the parking lot doing push-ups. It's always going to be there. But if I don't get rid of these resentments, like he he says in the beginning, um, I felt irritated. Um, you know, he is now the the worker. He's not the boss. You know, um, so he's got the resentment that he's got to answer to somebody. And, um, you know, I find that things like that come up all the time with work, you know, that like I'm resentful against somebody like the somebody that's higher than me instead of just taking what they say and just going with it because they have a job to do, too. So, um, you know, I got to the grocery store. You know, God was holding my hand. I will not mind be done. Got out with the stuff that I needed. And I said, thank you, God. And I talked to God the rest of the way home. But it's it's the action that we take. And um, so it was, uh, you know, I can relate to Jim. And I just thank you all for all your shares today. Right. And have a good day. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Sherry M. from New York. Natalie G. 
from Connecticut. Natalie, we don't hear you. Press star one to unmute. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay, good morning, Rebecca. Good to hear your voice. Um, yeah, I, I just uh, wanted to share that um, my fourth uh, round of um, abstinence this time is much different for me. I, I've learned to uh, have a weight and measure plan and uh, out of complete desperation and um, and resistance for eight years, even though I, I thought I was abstinent twice. Uh, I still had food behaviors that were I, you know, I really made God. I couldn't rely on them. So I was still relying on the food. But I want to share that this time around, I was doing something different, um, which was uh, as I worked my new plan, um, if I had a even one thought float through, even just a subtle thought, I would text it uh, regarding food. And it was profoundly helpful. Um, and it really brought me back into step one and step two and just the power of the disease, I came to understand it on such a profound level that um, I had no control over, uh, you know, that obsession of the mind. Um, and as I learned to track that, I and the food got quieter, I could see in all other areas of my life where I made God, uh, my job, particularly around ego, um, and how the disease, I understand that. I can almost say, oh, there's the disease as it tries to walk in. I don't know if it will ever leave me in terms of my thoughts and my life, but um, but today, uh, thanks to you know Vision for You and this amazing program and uh, the big book and everything, I feel like uh, there's a there's a way through this that um, that is profoundly um, you know available to me as a food addict. Thanks. Thank you, Natalie G from Connecticut, Lane C. And before you share, Lane, I think I'll just let mm -hmm. everybody who got on late know that we're in the first paragraph on page 36, yet he got drunk again. Thanks, Lane. Go right ahead. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Thank you so much for your service. This is uh, Lane C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Rochester, New York. And um, this, this piece of Jim's story for me reminds me of uh, my last relapse, which happened just a little under a year ago, um, where I was going to... Um, somebody who I work with, I was going to her house and I knew she was going to serve something there with an ingredient that I couldn't eat. And I remember throughout that day, just continually telling myself, I'm not going to eat it. I'm not going to eat it. I'm not going to eat it. And uh, lo and behold, I went to her house and in the midst of a moment, I decided to eat it and, um, and decided to, uh, to go through that. And, and so much of that was about my own thinking. It was about my own desire to try and manage it. And it was a moment of not admitting my own powerlessness. Uh, you know, we're in, we're in this chapter more about alcoholism, which to me is so much about step one. Um, and so it, to me, it's not always about, you know, all the different actions that we take um, before, you know, after step one, it's really about admitting my own powerlessness and, um, and, and not, you know, trying to sort of um, pull out different sort of um, tips and tricks to try and, uh, and get around my own powerlessness to just accept my own powerlessness and to have a sense of uh, serenity around that. 
um, for folks who are new in this program or for folks who are coming back after a relapse, I certainly can recognize where I've been um, in this, and I, I hope that you can too. And I think it's so important to just accept our powerlessness. And um, for me, I can also use this program sometimes to sit there and blame myself. Oh, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm so bad at being recovered. I'm so bad at doing this or doing that. Um, when really it's just being powerless over the food. Like that is the main piece. It's being powerless over the food and accepting that I cannot manage my own life and that I cannot manage my own food and that I certainly cannot manage my life, you know, around, around food. Um, and so, you know, I, I just really, um, I feel like so much of this paragraph and so much of this chapter is about where has, you know, where have our lives become unmanageable. And anytime I try and manage it, um, I find myself, you know, back in the food again. So, um, so, you know, and there is, there's definitely a way out. I'm hearing so much of that today and so grateful for all of the shares. Uh, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lane C. from Rochester, New York. Sharon B., you have the full three minutes to share. Go right ahead. The timing's perfect. Miracle. Good morning. My name is Sharon. I'm a grateful, recovering, compulsive overeater. Wow. I was getting ready to share for 60 seconds, <laughs> um, and, and now I have three minutes. Thank you. Um, so, so the first thing that comes to mind is, first of all, I have 325 miraculous days of recovery, not abstinence, of recovery. Recovery includes abstinence. And I keep reminding myself of that last crazy food story that I did to myself and I did to other people, um, potential sponsees who I couldn't take on because of what I've done. Um, yeah, that affected other people. Um, and the craziness, this is what I did. I had already dropped almost 70 pounds. I had already dropped all the foods that I knew would not agree with me. I had included the healthiest of foods. And this is the craziness of my disease. My disease told me, you can have one chocolate mini. It's only 75 calories. That's what my disease did to me. That's what I allowed my disease to do. And so once a week, I allowed myself this one thing because it was only 75 calories disregarding the reality that I have diabetes, disregarding the reality that I have arthritis, disregarding the reality that I can never have one. And so every morning when I wake up, the first thing I do is I pray. The second thing I do is I remind myself of that insanity. Unlike our friend in this chapter, in this, in this paragraph, 
Um, he, as a fellow had used the word nonchalantly, I was absolutely the epitome of nonchalantness with that, that morsel of food. That was not a morsel of food. So grateful to know this. So grateful to be armed with the information of this big book and not the information of my brain, of my mind, and the workings of my disease. Uh, I have this book, this miraculous book that I love so much to take the place and replace the destructive thinking that my brain often does, even still after decades of being in the rooms and almost Thank you so much. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Brooklyn, New York. New York. Thank you, Sharon B. from Brooklyn, New York. Sorry to cut you off, but we really are out of time. So um, next we um, get my bearings here. Thank you, everyone, for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The share ID number for this meeting, Tuesday, February 9th, 2021, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, is 16,366. That's 16366. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Christoph L. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Hi, my name is Christoph L. I'm a compulsive overeater recovered in Pennsylvania. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.